of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. A very frightening uh, reading we just heard. I don't know if you were listening. Uh, um, dividing sheep into goats, and then uh, earlier we heard in Ezekiel, dividing sheep, uh, this one, that one. It sounds uh, barbaric uh, a little bit, um, but it is about the least antiquated notion you will find in the Bible. I find that the division, the, uh, the activity of dividing sheep and goats is something that is a preoccupation for a great uh, many of us. We want to divide the world into the right kind of people and the wrong kind, uh, those who are part of the problem and those who are part of the solution. Um, you know, sneeches with stars on their bellies and those with no stars upon theirs. Uh, the privileged and the under-resourced, the, the county people and the city people, uh, you know, uh, Virginia Tech fans. Uh, <laughs> um, today, I think it's one of the greatest uh, rationalized uh, vilifications we have is with the toxic, people we consider to be toxic. And uh, one of the buzzwords this Thanksgiving, maybe you've heard about it, is people who've gone no contact. Family members have gone no contact with their family of origin, and therefore they don't show up. And for that reason, uh, it is a difficult uh, holiday, to say the least. We're living through what some uh, sociologist calls uh, an estrangement epidemic. An estrangement epidemic, hopefully not you. But if this is the case, if Jesus here, out of his mouth, is telling a parable about a king dividing uh, people into the righteous and the unrighteous, into the saved and the damned, uh, the shepherd who divides uh, sheep and goats, um, well, how do we make sense of it? Isn't this the same Jesus who spends so much time going out of his way to put people on the same playing field? whose catchphrase is, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Do we go back and reread everything in light of this passage, or do we look a little bit deeper? Well, um, just like last week and the week before, this is what we would call one of Jesus' parables of judgment. And it is his last parable. By the end of the next chapter, he's arrested and the entire uh, Good Friday and Easter narrative begins. But make no mistake, this parable has been used or has been the cause of an enormous amount of anxiety, uh, religious anxiety, amount of fear and neurosis in people who have heard it. Uh, we ask, of course we ask, am I a sheep or am I a goat? What about her? What about him? Certainly those people over there are all goats. Before you know it, you've turned Jesus from a good shepherd into a big bad wolf. Out to get us, catch us, label us, pin us down, do away with us. So is he negating his entire message of grace for the sake of this parable? Well, let me just give you two notes and then we'll tell a couple stories. First, um, you'll note that there is a profound ignorance at the heart of both the sheep and the goats. Neither of them are aware that they are sheep or goats. Their first question when they say, 
Blessed are you, you who did this. You go over here. Damned are you. They say, what? When did we do this? We weren't aware of any of that. There's an unselfconsciousness at the heart of whatever dynamics are being weighed here. So am I a sheep or a goat? That's an unanswerable question if we are following the text. And it's an unanswerable question, which is a great relief, right? Because secondly, you'll note that in whether it's the king or the shepherd, it's not our job to separate, to make these divisions, these categorizations, sheep and goats. Now, now maybe that has been your experience of Christians or religious people. They seem overly preoccupied with sorting people into categories. But this parable would suggest that that's the business of the king or the shepherd and not the business of the creature. And it's not only because we shouldn't do this, but because we can't. We don't have the information available to us to know who's who. Now, I think it is comforting to know that God cares about the least of these. People serving acts of, I mean, beautiful acts of service for the, those who are in need. And yet it's also comforting to know that it's not up to you or me to judge or to vindicate or to make pronouncements about who is who. But that's probably not enough to shake the burning words that we hear in this parable. So let's go a little bit further, because what does a sheep look like? Say you want to be a sheep, what does it look like? Well, they feed the hungry, they give drink to the thirsty, they welcome strangers, they clothe the naked, they care for the sick, they visit the imprisoned. They do it all, and they do it unselfconsciously, without even trying to score points. How's your checklist, right? Did you, did you get all that? Now these are all acts of mercy. And they're beautiful, and we can affirm that this is the ideal of what it looks like to, to be uh, moral, morally beautiful. Um, and yet, we've also just come from Thanksgiving. I mean, I don't know about you, I have a hard time being merciful with the people I'm supposed to love, let alone complete strangers. Because if you're the type of person that described, that's described, then uh, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I've got nothing to say to you. <laughs> Go on and enjoy your life and continue. Why are you doing here? You should be out serving the poor. But um, if, if we're looking for ourselves in this parable, and I don't really want to go to the goat, I think that the key line the key line here is when Jesus says, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. The least. There's the sheep, there's the goats, and then there's the least. What are the least? Well, we want to think of the least purely as a socioeconomic category, but it's, it's not, at least not purely. It is that, but it's not that purely. We do talk about the poor in spirit, we talk about the vulnerable, the unhealthy, the hungry, the rejected, the imprisoned, the needy, the disappointed, those on whatever, the opposite side of whatever line you find yourself on. We're talking about the least. We're talking about those in need of mercy. Now, it's my experience and uh, I've sort of years of ministry at this point from hearing testimonies of thanksgivings is that most people feel like the least 
in their family. Or they feel like their family is the least. They think, gosh, my, <clears throat> my sister who never got married sure seems to be having fun, and I'm just drowning in need and children, and I could use a little mercy. <clears throat> or my brother who has all the kids, he's so, he's so fulfilled. He's he never sort of, he's got so much to do, and we're sitting over here lonely and struggling, and we don't know. Uh, we were dying to have that much kind of happy stress in our lives. Or maybe you look at someone down the street, and all their kids come home, but someone went no contact in your family, and you don't know what happened. You feel like the least. Uh, you know, um, I think most people actually, if you get down to it, feel left behind in some way. Uh, what we find out in life is that the starting point of becoming a sheep, the sort of person who acts in merciful, spontaneous, unselfconscious ways toward one's neighbor, always is bound up with their experience of leastness. What I mean is that the merciful are those who know they need mercy. I, was, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's been an extraordinary amount of fantastic writing in the wake of the death of Matthew Perry, the Chandler on Friends who died. Uh, clearly this man had a very powerful ministry in Hollywood to addicts. Because if you know about Matthew Perry, you know he was not only the biggest star and the biggest sitcom ever, he struggled with, ter he said something like 50 overdoses. He struggled with addiction in kind of almost comic proportions. And his memoir, which is, he talks about the big bad thing, that's his addiction. He, he, he told the truth. And he told the truth about everything. You see, Matthew Perry talks about how his father left his mother when he was a little boy, and he had to forgive his dad. He talked about uh, repeatedly expressed adoration for his close friends, his co-stars, his assistants, along with the hopes that they might someday forgive him for everything he put them through as his addiction laid waste to his life. But writing in the New York Times last week, you know, it's usually obituaries are one week, and the, these have gone on. Heather Haverleski wrote this. She said, a beautiful legacy of Mr. Perry's life is that in spite of the enormous weight of his shame, he told the truth about everything. He refused to treat his most embarrassing and horrific and lowest moments as a secret. He truly believed that his honesty about his neediness and his pain and his big failures might help someone else. The merciful are those who need mercy. Those who have been the least are those who become the sheep. Now, if you can identify at all with the experience of leastness, well then, you are the one that God himself identifies with. This is the identification that is made complete in Jesus Christ, who not only loved the least, but became the least. The shepherd who became the sheep, the king who became the pariah. What does um, John the Baptist say when he sees Jesus? He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This dynamic lies at the very heart of the Christian message. The reason we give thanks 
each and every week. Now, I saw an example of what this looks like a few weeks ago in The Economist. They ran an obit for a man named Bindeshwar Patak, who died at the age of 80. This man devoted his life to serving India's so-called untouchables, the Valmiki scavenger caste. Perhaps you're aware of the scavenger caste. The Valmiki, they made their living traditionally uh, cleaning the nation's toilets and disposing of night soil, often with their bare hands, a task for which they were shunned and treated as subhumans. If there is a human uh, division of sheep and goats, they were the goats, big time. They were the pariahs, they were the lepers. Well, shortly after university, it turns out, Bindeshwar spent three months among the scavengers in the town of Betia, enduring with them the stench, the humiliation, and the filth. It leaked into his hair until one day he saw a small boy killed by a bull because since he was untouchable, no one would help the boy. Now, this experience of co-identification with the least uh, motivates him to serve and to be merciful. He was so distressed that he spent his lifetime uh, uh, inventing and distributing cheap, poor, flush toilets. Few people listened to him. His family were appalled by his peculiar, shameful obsession. His father-in-law disowned him. He ran out of funds to build the toilets and had to send his wife's, sell his wife's ornaments to keep going. I'm sure that went over well. But you see, he believed, like his mentor and hero, Gandhi, that helping another human being was a prayer to God. And not just any kind of helping, helping that came at what sounds like a serious cost, both financial and relational. This is sacrificial love. But it's more than that. This is a guy who became the least, who crossed the line into goatdom to become a pariah such that in 2020, 110 million of these toilets have been installed across India. And when he died, the Prime Minister of India, uh, Naharenda Modi, declared that toilets might in fact be more important than temples. So I ask you this morning, <clears throat> not are you a sheep or a goat, but where are you the least? Where have you experienced Shame? Where do you feel like you are being or have been left behind? Where do your disappointments lie? Because that is not only the place out of which acts of mercy will inevitably flow and your sheepness will take root, it's the part of you that God identifies with. That is where God is found. And that part of you, well, that is the actual person who God loves. That's the person God died to redeem. That is the uh, person for whom this king became a pariah. To adopt you as a member of his family. This one true sheep who showed mercy even to those who did nothing. To the world that not only treated him like a goat, but acted like one too. Amen. Amen.